BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong podcast. I am your host, Mark Ellis, flying solo today. Although, do ducks really fly or do they just kind of flap their wings and then hope they land on a pond soon? I am still in the uh, sand pond, we'll say, of Las Vegas, Nevada, where I've been working um, for quite some time, it feels like, according to this show anyway. But thanks to the good folks at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. Having a great week in Las Vegas. And now it might be the best hour of my Las Vegas trip not because i'm gambling not because i'm doing stand-up but because i'm talking to one of my good buddies about a film franchise that is so beloved that is just so celebrated it came out in the 90s it could have easily been an afterthought but no not only was it a good movie it spawned a film franchise which is rare in the sports movie world and even rarer it spawned an actual team that is in the professional ranks if you don't know what movie franchise we're talking about yet and you didn't happen to take a look at this podcast before you clicked on it, you are watching slash listening to the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong episode of the Mighty Ducks trilogy. All three Mighty Ducks movies. Which one is the mightiest? Is it the Mighty Ducks from 1992? 21% rotten. Can you believe that? Is your inner child okay? Did you hear me? 21% rotten on the tomato meter does have a 65 percent audience score which is the only freshness we're getting from any one of these three movies according to our beloved metrics so d2 the mighty ducks 1994 is also 21 percent rotten 59 percent audience score and then d3 from 1996 is 20% rotten with a 45% audience score. And so we're talking about the Ducks movies because you have the Mighty Ducks Game Changers, which is the TV show. Season two is about to drop later on this month. And we also have a bunch of fans that have been emailing us. They've been begging. They've been tagging us on social media saying you need to talk about the Mighty Ducks. So thank you to our fresh ketchup crew for that support. And even my co-host who can't be here today, Jacqueline Coley, and I often go back to this movie just because it's just one of those films that sticks in your childhood and it just stays with you until you become a tall adult. Uh, let's talk to Robert Drost. He's going to talk to us rather because he sent us an email. RT is wrong at RottenTomatoes.com. And he says, I want you guys to focus on the true underdog of the sports film world. You know what I'm talking about. The only sports film that's spawned an actual professional sports franchise. I want you guys to talk about the Mighty Ducks. There's nothing better than watching those kids come out the goaltender net and the famous flying V. I hope you take these critics to task for knocking on this amazing sports classic that made me never underestimate the alcoholic lawyer 
who, quote, doesn't like hockey and hates kids because you never know. He could just turn out to become a hockey legend for decades to come. Quack, 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 quack. Thank you, Robert, for that email and for the inspiration to do this episode today with one of my dear friends. You all know him from his social media presence. Uh, the Swaggy Blurred is where you can find him across all social media platforms. And you can check him out weekly talking all things comic book movies on Capes and Cows as part of the Big Thing show. He is Winston A. Marshall. And if you're watching the show, you can see us that Winston actually has a Mighty Ducks jersey on. So I imagine this franchise means a little something to you. Good, sir. First of all, let me let me clarify this. This is not the Mighty Ducks. It's the Mighty Drunks. And, and when I and when I say that, I say that in the sense that my adult kickball team, we, we do, uh, you know, there, there are tournaments throughout the, uh, the country. We just go around and just quack it at people. Our, our, instead of full quacks, our, our, our chant is quack, quack, chug, chug. That's the way we get drunk. That's how much this movie has influenced our lives, is that we had to find a proper way to, to grow it up and continue the legacy. A, a real game changer, if you will. It's almost like y'all are turning into Coach Gordon Bombay before he inherited the Mighty Ducks when he was just out doing <laughs> when he was just a lawyer. When he was just a crappy lawyer that nobody cared about, that would do anything to win. It was win, 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 win before he learned his lesson. You know, this is why you're the perfect guest for this episode, because I forgot not only does Winston love playing kickball, he also plays dodgeball professionally. So you kind of play all these like little kids sports that we just thought we'd grow out of once we no longer had to go to gym class, but you're keeping the gym sports, like the, the rainy day, hey, coach has got to let us do something. Let's do dodgeball, let's do kickball. You're keeping that alive into adulthood. Excuse me, all sports are little kid sports, okay? Basketball, I'm gonna put a little round thing in a hoop. A football, I'm gonna throw this little ball as far as I can and see if you can go and catch it. Don't do not do this, Mark Ellis. Just because you like to sit around and watch some crappy team called the Washington Commanders embarrass themselves 17 weeks out of the year because Lord knows you don't make it past week 17 doesn't mean you need to come for me and my sports, sir. Please, please. I just want to be relevant at Thanksgiving. That's all I care about with the commanders. And uh, <laughs> well, we'll see. The season is still young for both Cowboys fan Winston and myself. So Winston, the one thing that we can agree on, I think, is our favorite of the three Mighty Ducks movies, I believe. But that's what we're doing today. We're going to rank these. So do you feel like overall Rotten Tomatoes missed the mark with the Mighty Ducks franchise? Again, 21% rotten for the first two, 20% for part three. Is Rotten Tomatoes Mark, wrong? Normally in this episode, Ducks? I just come through, y'all hand me the outline of what we're going to talk about, and we just get into it. But today, I brought me some facts and figgles because I was so appalled to hear how low the Mighty Dunks, Mighty Dunks, whoa, Lord, maybe I am a Mighty Drunk today. The Mighty Ducks films have been just lambasted. So let me give you some, uh, some facts and figgles. Space Jam, 43% rotten. I'm not talking about a new legacy. I'm talking about the OG, one of the greatest sports kids movies of all time. How dare you? The Little Rascals, misfit group of kids that just want to tell girls to go away and ride in the Pinewood Derby. 23%. And yet somehow the Goonies, which is just as goofy as all the rest of these films, had a 73% fresh. I just, I am appalled. 
You have a flying V, a knuckle puck, the Bash Brothers, and you're going to give me 21%? Absolutely not. Both of the first two films deserve to be in the Pantheon, super fresh, all that kind of stuff. But we all have an Averman that we have in our lives, you know? And so sometimes, sometimes you don't end your trilogy try quite as strong and that one can stay rotten. We're fine with that. But the first two, how dare you? Yeah, you know, it's interesting thinking about the first two and how we fondly remember those. And then there's like, oh, yeah, then they also did D3. And so there might be a line of demarcation between two and three. They maybe didn't close the trilogy as well as well as of Lord of the Rings or Star Wars would be used to. But we're going to hear what the critics were saying at the time of the Mighty Ducks' release in all three different years, 92, 94, and 96. Uh, I feel like Rotten Tomatoes is wrong. I don't feel as strongly as Winston does. Let's get a word from those critics back then with our buddy Tim Ryan, our expert review curation manager here at Rotten Tomatoes for his segment, Two Minutes with Tim. Two Minutes with Tim. I spent way too much time preparing for this podcast trying to figure out how many real-life sports teams were named after movies. There's an excellent chance that I'm totally missing something, so let me apologize beforehand for any omissions. There were a few teams with names that were inspired by elements of movies and TV shows. The Toronto Raptors basketball team was not named after Jurassic Park, obviously, but the movie certainly inspired the name since Velociraptors were all the rage back in 1993. And the area where fans gather outside the stadium is called Jurassic Park. In a classic episode of The Simpsons, the Springfield isotopes are planning to move to Albuquerque before Homer stages a one-man protest. This inspired the name of the Albuquerque Isotopes, the AAA affiliate of the Colorado Rockies, although again, the team is not called The Simpsons. One of the rare potentials I could find was in a Guardian article that claims that an Argentinian soccer team, Club Sportivo Ben-Hur, was so named because its founders were inspired after seeing the movie Ben-Hur. However, the original movie came out in 1925 and the team was founded in 1940, so maybe? I couldn't find much more about them on the internet that was in English. And just a side note, Bull Durham is named after the Durham Bulls, not the other way around. There is one team that was absolutely named after a movie. Disney created both the Mighty Ducks the movie in 1992 and in 1993, the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, a real honest-to-goodness NHL team. And they kept the name until 2005. Now they're just the Anaheim Ducks. Okay, so the movies. They made three of them. They're about a brand of scrappy misfits and underdogs who come together to become winners. Critics thought they were mediocre, but a substantial number of kids of a certain age love them. The Mighty Ducks from 1992 is rotten at 21% on the tomato meter, but it has a 65% audience score. D2, The Mighty Ducks from 1994, is also rotten at 21%, and it has a 59% audience score. And D3, The Mighty Ducks from 1996, is rotten at 20%, and it has a 45% audience score. In a fresh review of the original, Malcolm Johnson of the Hartford Current called it a decent enough kids' picture, with some laughs and the always required sports element, heart. However, in a rotten review for D2, Malcolm Johnson of the Hartford Current wrote, where the Mighty Ducks reworked a familiar plot with some feeling, its follow-up seems to have nothing on its mind other than cashing in on the success of the original. But wait, they also made a series! The Mighty Ducks Game Changers from 2021 is certified fresh at 87% and it has a 77% audience score. So that's the Mighty Ducks Extended Universe. And even though I don't really follow hockey, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that the Anaheim Ducks kick off the 2022-23 season on October 12th, where they host the Seattle Kraken. 
a team whose name was inspired, at least in part, by Clash of the Titans. Back to you, folks. That might be the best two minutes with Tim I've ever heard. They're always good. I know Winston and I always look forward to listening to him when he's on the show. That might have been the best one of all time, Winston. But I have to point out, first of all, my brother lives up near Seattle, and so I own a Seattle Kraken jersey. So uh, <laughs> we, we definitely need to hang on October 12th, and we need to get down to Anaheim to that game. But I also would would pick a bone here with Tim Ryan because I feel like without the movie franchise, the Nashville NHL team known as the Predators would not would build that because you really don't want to name your team Predators unless there's a cool alien to back it up. Am I right? Yeah, but isn't isn't their logo? Maybe I haven't seen it in a while. I can Google it. Isn't their logo like a bobcat of some sort with like some with like some saber tooth fangs? I believe it's more like a jungle cat, but again, you're you're it, it, the predator changed the game. The the, the name <laughs> predator, I think, will forever be synonymous, at least uh, partially, with the alien as opposed to the ones that you know uh, Chris Hansen used to catch on. I mean, we could just add like a couple little, just like like that would work, you know. I I feel like that would up the team. They might start winning championships. They got close one time. The Mighty Ducks did win a championship, and we'll talk about that. And I guess we'll get into some movie chat as well. Hit the music, Brian. All right, so we have these essential duck questions that we need to ask, but I guess I want to go back to the beginning with you, Winston, because you're a few weeks younger than me, and so I'm just curious when you came to the Mighty Ducks franchise, because truth be told, I was the perfect age to be affected by this movie, yet I wasn't. I remember it coming out, but I also remember feeling like I had seen other sports movies that I think I enjoyed more from that. Like every every kid needs that gateway sports movie that realizes that, hey, we can come together on a field or on ice or on a court to get get, you know, become more than just the sum of our parts. So you have movies like Bad News Bears. You have movies like The Sandlot. The Sandlot, I think I loved a lot more than The Mighty Ducks. But the Sandlot was a baseball movie and I played baseball. I never grew up playing hockey. So I guess, did you go grow up playing hockey? Was that your gateway into the Mighty Ducks or was it just your movie? Mark, I'm going to be honest with you. I ain't playing much other than Super Mario Brothers. I, I kind of was a, a bump on a log, if you will. Uh, as a matter of fact, I will send this after we're done recording if you want to intercut this photo I played so many video games. I actually was on a national circuit and were beating like 14 and 15 year olds at like 10. So like that's 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 a true story. Blockbuster did like a national like competition for like uh, a multitude of games. One of them was Sonic the Hedgehog and I was just beating the brakes off of children older than me. But to answer your question, um, I played a little bit of street hockey and only because of these movies. And I and what's funny is I like look back on it and you know how most of your childhood is kind of like a giant like brownout. Like you remember really important things that happen to you, but a lot of it just kind of washes over you. I don't fully remember the first movie minus a couple of funny scenes. The second one is fully imprinted on my brain and I found myself silently mouthing the words to the film as it was going which is insane. But I think that's where my extreme patriotism came from for a certain period of time. And I, everything was a knuckle puck in my mind. I, every single thing. I feel like the, the, the tomato meter on these movies is so low in part just because 
let's face it, there's not a lot of 10 year old movie reviewers out there. And so critics are obviously going to come to this movie having their own background in sports movies and inspirational films and quote kids sports movies. And so they've probably already seen a bunch. And so this does feel reductionist to them. But whereas you and I, we'd watch our kid eyes and you say, well, this is the first time I'm seeing this. This is the first time I'm seeing this in a hockey movie. Like this movie did make hockey look fun. And it was just a sport that felt expensive. It was a sport that felt like there were a lot of moving parts. Like I loved playing sports as a kid, but the ice skating, even the, the street hockey, the rollerblades never took to me, I, I could never keep my balance. And so therefore I never wanted to play it. The other kids in town didn't really care about playing hockey. So it might just be where you're from, but this movie clearly broke through and became a cultural touchstone. It was super profitable. The first one was because it was made for a budget of like $10 million, ended up making more than $50 million worldwide. And I, I guess my rooting interest in this movie was more closely associated with the fact that Emilio Estevez plays a lawyer slash now coach Gordon Bombay. I was a huge Young Guns and Young Guns 2 fan at this time. So I'm like, okay. anything Billy the Kid is in, I'm going to support because he's got my boy William H. Bonnie in there. But, <laughs> you know, you forget this is a Disney movie, but the premise uh-huh. is this guy gets a DUI and has to do community service and that community service is coaching the kids. So it's kind of an adult theme to kick our franchise off with. Bro, look, I just recently uh, watched the new Pinocchio and my one beef with that was that, do you remember how dark Disney was, Mark? Pinocchio gets turned into a literal ass because he smoked cigars and drank beer. So, so I'm the minute Gordon Bombay gets pulled over for a DUI, mouthed it off to a cop. I was like, yeah, that checks out. So, like, I'm not even phased by that whatsoever. I, I'm not even phased by the fact that this man's only punishment was to teach some kids some hockey. Most people get jail time. This man was told, nah, 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 nah. Just go pick up a stick, bro. That'll be fine. And it's it's his backstory, incidentally, as I'm doing this from Las Vegas, which is just one big pleasure island. Let's be honest. <laughs> I'm, I'm probably going to turn into an ass at some point later this afternoon. Um, you, you know, you, you look at the, the scenes in this movie that really affected me and you know, I'm not a huge fan of kids. The, the, the kid actors in this movie are fantastic. You know, you get to see a young Joshua Jackson, who's like one of my doppelgangers for crying out loud. But <laughs> what I kept coming back to was Amelia Westavez's character, because I had forgotten when I rewatched this that he was a youth hockey star and he missed the shot to win the championship game. And that has affected him so deeply that he now hates hockey and he can't get back that love. And then you juxtapose that with the scene where his boss is just chewing him out and and he gives him a, he gives him a give or take and he starts quacking and I kind of feels again when Bombay chooses the team over his job that really really got me yeah i mean dude it was he starts quacking at him again that's the part that i think got me the most can you imagine quitting your job by being like nah you out of line quack 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 Quack, quack, and you just walk all the way out the building quacking. I am genuinely surprised once again, if not jail this time, that this man ended up in some sort of psych ward for quacking his way out of the building. Um, but I, I think that just goes to show the power of youth hockey. You know what I mean? Of Little League is the fact that it can completely change your life. It happened in hardball. You know, you mentioned Bad News Bears. 
uh, and now here we are, little giants. Like this is this is I can't believe I said that name. I hate the giants so much. Uh, but but genuinely, this movie just is very far reaching, man. That's just what uh, this movie really did. And I'm just very grateful that we got two and a half of them. two and a half of them. So we'll get to that half in a little bit. It feels like where I was a much bigger fan of the first Mighty Ducks, that you skew more towards D2, which was a really good marketing back in the day. I can't stress to y'all how good that marketing was because it's coming off of Terminator 2, obviously, which we just knew was T2 from 92. Then this movie comes out in 94. And I will still say this. It may not be my favorite Mighty Ducks movie, Winston. The poster of D2 with the two kids blowing bubbles at each other as they're about to do the face-off. That's one of the yep. all-time great, I'll say it, movie posters in history Absolutely. it is such a cool poster and it gets butts in seats that movie was also a big hit it, i mean i guess you would say a modest hit but made for the budget it was it was a very profitable movie for the walt disney company so why is d2 maybe what what should be on the highest tomato meter score for winston um there's a number of reasons i mean one you got to remember we're we're in the 90s there's there's just this ever looming like foreign threat in our brains constantly so you give us iceland and iceland is just ruthless they are just trying to rip people's heads off and they don't give a damn that immediately like i said where my blind patriotism kicked in as a child i was like yeah you're not gonna bully america yeah like that there's that element right um but you added so much to it i I remember re-watching it for this and thinking to myself, even though I just admitted I played some street hockey when I was a kid, going to the hood and just seeing a bunch of black kids playing hockey, that's not, that's just like not really a thing. Like, we're just gonna be honest about it, but they needed a way to bring even more, I guess, diversity to the squad. Obviously you had the, uh, uh, the crew was pretty like different in their characters and archetypes and whatnot, but you needed a way to introduce Keenan in, have him talking trash the entire time, who at that point was really his own star. I mean, what he was in this and heavyweights, he was in all that. Keenan and Kel was coming soon after. I mean, you had this kid that had immeasurable talents. So you needed a way to introduce him. Um, but I think finally, the thing that's so important is it reminds us of the big old adage, don't let money change you. And where, you know, you had Bombay kind of learn that lesson in the first one, and he tries to stay true to his guns when he now has real fame, when he is now the guy and not some two-bit lawyer, but the guy, how it completely changed him. And it took the kids bringing him back. I ironically, as much as this movie is about the kids, it's almost always about Gordon uh, until we get to the third one. And maybe that's why that one doesn't hit quite as hard. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the, the adults always learn something from the kids in these movies. And with The Mighty Ducks, too, it, it's really following the Rocky template where you started out as an underdog and then you had your shot and then you end up winning with your, in Rocky's case, second shot. And then you just let all the fame and fortune just comes at you so fast and you start focusing more on that than you do what got you there, which was your love of the game and your bond with these kids. And with D2, I will say this, the, the characters, I feel like, get even more fleshed out because we know some of these kids from the first Mighty Ducks, but then you also right. have like the goalie, the backup goalie, the cat, 
I, it, it, she was Columbia, I, I think is her name. She's so good in that role. And then to have Keenan come in as Russ, it really brought an extra element of like, hey, not only am I rooting for Emilio Estevez's character here because he's Emilio Estevez, I'm also rooting for the kids. So I might have felt more of a, like you said, patriotic connection to this team than I even did the first one because we're going international. Now we're fighting for stars and stripes. Bro, I got to take it even further. And this is proof that D2 is the 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 ultimate of not only these movies, but maybe of all sports movies. The greatest tag team of all time in sports is as far as like productivity, maybe not as like, you know, some of the most famous wrestling tag teams or anything like that. But the most the, the, the most profound tag team is the Splash Brothers out of the Golden State area. I'm talking about Steph and Clay. They didn't make that up themselves because their balls just go splash through the hoop. Sure, they did. They did it because I guarantee both they asses was watching D2, the Mighty Ducks, and they said the Bash Brothers are incredible. Now, I'm not going to punch LeBron when I'm on the court, but I will punch him with this ball in his mouth from, the, from half court. All right. That's what happened. They got that inspiration from this film. Are you going on record as saying that the Splash Brothers named themselves the Splash Brothers because of D2? Absolutely. Bro, the Mighty Drunk, the Mighty the Mighty Ducks franchise brought us the Anaheim Ducks and the Splash Brothers. What, what, and and, and Keenan doing Steve Harvey on SNL. What more do you want? Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Keenan is a star on SNL and and to see him here I, I think that my favorite part of this though is I love the I love the stuff with Russ I love the Bash Brothers I was a little disappointed we didn't get to explore the relationship the budding relationship in the first one between Gordon and Charlie's mom because that would have gotten so awkward so quickly like it's cute at the end of a movie to be like oh we might be falling for each other but then if your coach is hooking up with your mom it just it, it just becomes a sticky situation so maybe it was best to to check that baggage and then replace that with these storylines that really tug at our heartstrings even more like dude the end of this movie when 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 julie pretty much gets knocked out by the puck and then she opens her glove and drops the puck revealing that she saved it and she won the game it's just such a great that's a it's not a kid's movie at that point for me that becomes an all-time sports movie moment you might have sold me on d2 being better than the first one damn you winston but dude on on top of that look, look at some of the other stuff as a proud texan you got my boy out here roping people up but he's also got he's got literally hockey handles where he's out here bouncing the puck up and down like that's incredible again you you finally put the batch brothers together you get kenny Wu, ken Wu out here doing all sorts of tricks and then pulling the shirt off that he learned from the black kid in the neighborhood you know you have to have the magical uh the black person to kind of get you through that and teach you some things like chubs at a, a you know happy gilmore like all all sorts of just incredible incredible things going on there but to that point obviously you had connie in the first one and connie is still doing stuff here but to have Julie do this, do this at the end of the film, this movie also becomes a feminist anthem. Literally, all walks of life 
get to fly their flag under the Mighty Ducks banner. And on top of that, they were Team USA, fam. Like, I'm trying to tell y'all, this movie is so influential. It was a, a lot like Home Alone 2, because now that we knew this universe a little bit, you could open up the world and you could expand it. Whereas Home Alone 2 goes to New York and you get some cameos from some future presidents in that movie. In Mighty Ducks 2, you had so many more athlete cameos because the first one had Basil McRae, who, who was like a great enforcer uh, for a while. He was like one of those like so-called hockey. I wouldn't call him a goon, but he wouldn't take anything. And he was on the team for a reason, we'll say. Yeah, yeah, then you yeah. also had uh, Mike Madonna in the first Let's one. Let's go. But That's my guy. Dude, the second one, you get everybody from Christy Yamaguchi to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar to Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky, yeah. The great one pops in to D2. And so I think that there might be even more to chew on with that one. So, I mean, you could look at the 21% of the tomato meter for D2 and say, well, yeah, but it's a sequel and sequels are always a little bit of just a watered down version of the original. I think this one goes in some different directions. And like you said, the I international so feel to it, I feel like warrants this movie being much, much higher. Absolutely. I mean, there's, I do get this idea that it can kind of be watered down a little bit, but I would make the argument that anything that had kind of has a trilogy, typically the second one ends up being the best one. If you end at the sequel, maybe, but if you're doing a true trilogy, like, I mean, there are exceptions. I'll give you Return of the Jedi, though universally most people will say Empire. I saw Return of the Jedi first, so that that one for me, but I can admit where I understand why people say Empire. Um, the Dark Knight, universally people say that's the best of all of them. The Winter Soldier, people universally say that's the best of all of them. Like the second one tends to be that cornerstone because it also determines if we're gonna, like we've learned who these people are, we've learned our lessons from the first, Let's ramp it up to 11. It's always sticking the landing. That's hard. And the proof is in the pudding here, honestly. Um, I have moments. I really appreciate knowing where this coach is coming from by the end of it. But I don't appreciate the fact that he still kind of seems like a, I don't know if I can say the D word that isn't a duck uh, on this show or not, but he's kind of one of those for most of the film, even after we find out that his daughter got sideswiped and he, he gave up a chance at the NHL for this though. I can, I guess sort of understand it. If like, you know, you would do anything for your child. Of course, that doesn't mean you're not upset that your dreams are like kind of dash. I get why he's a little angry all the time. Um, but he's not he's not Gordon, man. He just really isn't. No, no. And and so when we look at the characters that we see ourselves in, um, I, I would probably point to Gordon Bombay more than any of the kids. But, you know, I, I'd love to say I'm like Charlie Conway, but I'm just I was never that good. I was never a, a pretty natural talent at any sport, even though I tried to play all of them. Um, the Duncan brothers, uh, or excuse me, the Duncans I missed from the first one that did not make it into the second one. So that was a little bit of a bummer for me. I liked the playoff of them, but then having the Bash brothers in there, having the addition of people like Keenan of, of Kat, uh, I felt like that more than made up for it. Who is the character that you, Winston Marshall, are like me? That's me on the ice right there. If you had a fusion um, like a, a few, either the fusion dance from uh, Dragon Ball Z or like uh, the way you would have like a Mexican Asian fusion restaurant. Uh, if you took Keenan and you fused him with Charlie, that would be me because Charlie, if you remember, 
he was good enough to be on the team to make it to the high school, but Charlie wasn't actually very good. He pulled himself out and said, no, 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 I'm more of a coach. That's where I kind of fall in between. I got the 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 trash talking and like a crazy shot, like the knuckle puck. I, like you, if you watch me play dodgeball and whatnot, a lot of people aren't really ready for like my sidearm, which has a lot of zip to it, comes out of nowhere. Same way he's like, it's hard to like aim that thing. That's what my sidearm does, right? And then the coaching mentality of Charlie, where he's able to come up with plays and stuff like that. That's where I kind of reside in that area. I love that answer. And we also need to see footage of a Winston Marshall dodgeball match. <laughs> what, just, just a quick sidetrack. The movie Dodgeball, is, is that accurate to, to, to dodgeball at all? Is that the same style or is it completely different? Because like when I was a kid, dodgeball, there was one ball and you just kept throwing it until everybody was out. Yes and no. I mean... I won't lie. It definitely gets annoying every time someone hears you play dodgeball. Like, if you dodge a wrench, yeah, okay. All right, sure. Um, so to a certain extent, but obviously they, like, kind of had their fun with that and they wanted to make sure that the comedy was there. But there have been plenty of teams that I've been on where we have been in full costume, uh, not BDSM, you know, leather daddy costumes, but, like, the way you had, like, uh, the skills that kill the dudes in the track suits and all that. We've done stuff before, like I've played an entire Halloween tournament where I was Batman. We had the Justice League, so I was Batman. I had a Robin. There was a Green Arrow. Someone came as Wonder Woman. Like it was pretty legit uh, in that regard. And I love playing in the WeHo Dodgeball League because costumes is like the whole thing. Like one time it was heroes. And when I tell you that like nine out of 10 of the individuals there came dressed as Sailor Moon or Wonder Woman, it was phenomenal. It was just so much fun to watch. That's so great. Yeah, we all got to get to uh, get to go see Winston. And, you know, you talk about uh, the, the the fusion of characters in this movie. It's interesting when you look at these websites that have now uh, sprung up all these facts you didn't know about the Mighty Ducks and mm -hmm. all these different things, because everything from Bleach Report to ESPN, from all these entertainment outlets have, oh, did you know this about the Mighty Ducks? So it clearly made its way into the cultural zeitgeist somehow. How much of that do you think is due to the movies themselves or the fact that it did spawn an NHL franchise? A little column A, a little column B. I mean, again, I mentioned earlier the Splash Brothers, like how that directly influenced them. But the fact that that this was a move to, like they were already planning this NHL team and then it got so much fire, they could really use it to push it over the edge. I mean, I think that that's incredible and I don't know many movies, period, that have done that. I'm genuinely trying to think, and maybe you, you can come up with something, Mark. I don't know many movies that then turned out a major thing other than an amusement park. You know what I mean? No, I mean, it, Tim had a pretty comprehensive list, and I will say that I back him up fully with the Toronto Raptors because that was totally Jurassic Park. You know why? Because nobody knew mm. what the hell a raptor was until Jurassic Park came out. Nobody knew. I was a kid who loved dinosaurs, all right? I was 13 when Jurassic Park came out. Nobody knew what the hell a velociraptor was. We just assumed mm. Spielberg made it up because he's a genius when it comes to creativity and imagination. So the Toronto Raptors fully have to thank Jurassic Park, and I love that their outdoor area is called Jurassic Park. But here, here's my hot take on this, is that I think that the hockey team, the actual NHL team, great, they ended up winning a championship later. No impact on the longevity of the Mighty Ducks movie. I feel like that Mighty Ducks movie and the movie franchise would still stand. Having said that, um, the prevailing logic is that back in the day, a sequel to the Mighty Ducks was not initially planned, but mm. they already had the team in the works. And so Michael Eisner, 
saw it as an opportunity to sort of cross promote. And he's like, well, we'll have the movie come out. That's why that, that poster so good. That's why that marketing campaign was so prevalent because D2 and you had the team. And so I do give a tip of the cap to the team, but I still say these movies stand on their own. And then we get to the third one for you. Does it fall off a cliff or is it just not quite as good because we don't have coach Bombay anymore? Um, but I think Bombay has a lot to do with it. I appreciate where he comes in to protect their scholarships and give some advice to Charlie because Charlie's getting unruly. I don't know if it's if Emilio was just busy scheduling wise. So they were like, you got me for 10 pages, 15 pages of the script, but I got other things to do. Uh, but I do think it lost a lot. It, it was always the balance between the coach and the kids. And so to put. 80%, 90% of the movie on the kids now, there was a weird element kind of lost. That wasn't what we originally signed up for, I guess. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying you can't change formats, but something got lost in translation for sure. Yeah, and it, you know, you think back on these two film franchises when you pair a sibling rivalry between the two Mighty Ducks movies, the first two Mighty Ducks movies and the first two Major League movies where you have Charlie Sheen in Major League versus Emilio Estevez in the Mighty Ducks. I'm probably leaning towards Major League just because I love that first one. But the sequel to Major League is nowhere near as good as the first one, where I feel like D2, you might have won me over, is better than the first one. Do you take Mighty Ducks over Major League in the Estevez-Sheen war? Absolutely. And, I, and it's funny you say a few weeks you mean like 200 something weeks as far as like our age gap there. So the difference is with the difference with major league is like, it is about adults. So like, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, people that are, that are skewing a little bit older and not like old, I'm not calling you old. I'm just saying that like, you're like older than me. Um, you're gonna like something like that. Whereas a kid, if I could see myself in the same way that like three ninjas or uh, um, surf ninjas, really any ninja film with children, I'm like, yo, that's the thing. And this is just ninjas on ice. That's it. Or ninjas in the sewer, because you also have those turtles ninja that are turtles. doing some good things. Yeah, so, turtles yeah, as I, well, yeah. I was a big uh, Surf Ninjas guy. I was a big Three Ninjas guy. By the time they had High Noon at Magic Mountain or whatever, I was already out. <laughs> I was Magic out, bro. Gathering. I was so out. <laughs> and I think we were both out on D3. And so our ranking, I'll, I think I'll amend mine. I, I think I'll go D2 as my top. And then I'll go the Mighty Ducks, the original at number two. And then I will go D3 at a far cry. I think it, you do what you can if you don't have Emilio back and you make Charlie sort of now the mentor. Like, I understand where they're going with that. But I will give the Mighty Ducks franchise credit. They helped launch the career of one Joshua Jackson, who That's went true. on to do Dawson's Creek. Do you know that Leonardo DiCaprio also auditioned for the role of Charlie and didn't get it. It went to Jackson. Jake Gyllenhaal was also in the conversation, but Jake Gyllenhaal, apparently his parents wouldn't let him take the role. That's kind of crazy. He could have been on Dawson's Creek. Could have been on Dawson's Creek. Could have yeah. been, could have been. I, I think it worked out okay for Jake, it's but okay. here's. I guess okay, you know. Here's something that's even crazier is that the, the actors considered for the role of Gordon Bombay were none other than Charlie Sheen, Bill Murray, Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks, and Michael J. Fox. So I give you that list, Winston. We're going to take Billy the Kid out of the equation. Let's say that 
Emilio was off doing Young Guns 3, so he couldn't make the Mighty Ducks. Who is your Gordon Bombay? If those are my options, I think I don't hate Charlie Sheen because Charlie and Emilio have a very similar energy. They kind of diverge at a certain point, but they do have a certain similar energy. But I think I'm probably going Michael J. Fox because I don't think we've ever seen him play, um, you know, that D word that's not duck. Uh, you know, and so it would have been interesting to see that, you know what I mean? And I think he would have related to the kids so much because he himself really, I mean, I know every, a lot of like Tom Cruise was a young star, but, but Michael J. Fox, I mean, you know what I'm saying? We're, we're sitting here talking about back to the future and whatnot. I think it would have been really interesting to see him kind of lead the new wave of kids that were meant to be superstars. And he's Canadian and he plays hockey. So he's perfect. He's my pick as well. I was so happy you took Michael J. Fox because he not only can play ice hockey, but I think that you talk about the D word. He also was another D word, Doc, as in Doc Hollywood. Doc Hollywood. And in that movie, he's sort of a fish out of water, doesn't want to be in this small town and ends up taken to it. So I think that's a similar energy you could bring to it. I could see Michael J. Fox being sort of a snot-nosed preppy lawyer, who is just trying to get out of whatever white collar crime he committed, whatever DUI he might've gotten. And then this is what we end up with. So Michael J. Fox, I wouldn't trade Emilio for anybody, but if we had to lose him, I would say Michael J. Fox, pretty good pickup. Absolutely, man. I think he would have been, he would have absolutely killed it. Yeah. And then um, here's a fun fact too. The, uh, the, that kiss scene that they film in the first one between mm-hmm. uh, Gordon Bombay and Charlie's mom it's Emilio Estevez, and I think it's Heidi Kling. They, it was actually filmed in Minnesota, and during that first kiss, it was so cold that their lips touched, and then their lips got frozen together. Their lips what? got frozen together, and so the makeup team had to spray some lukewarm water on them to get their lips to separate because it was like a dumb and dumber situation when you lick the pole and then your tongue gets stuck there. So their lips actually got stuck together. That is... That's an all-time movie fact for me. It was so cold, their lips stuck together. Have you ever kissed someone and it was so cold, your lips got stuck together, Winston Martin? Hell no, I'm from Texas. I ain't going to no damn cold-ass state. Let my lips stick. No, no, no. That's that. I saw Dumb and Dumber a million times. I That was enough for me. I was like, no, thank you. No, 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 no. Do you have a favorite sports movie romance? Because... If I'm looking and I'm going to open this up to all the sports movies, uh, listeners and viewers of this show know I love my white men can't jump. So I love the relationship between Billy Hoyle and Gloria, Rosie Perez in that movie. Um, Then there's ones that just feel like eh, the natural never did it for me. I never bought into Robert Redford with either uh, Glenn Close with Kim Basinger until, you know, that whole thing went south. I just never bought the love in there. When I watch the natural, I'm just there for the home run at the end. That's all I really need. And Wilford Brimley's amazing chest hair. Um, then you have the, just these awkward uh, kind of like Barbara Hershey and Hoosiers where it's like, I don't know her and Gina Hackman. I don't really feel that there's a chemistry. Maybe we're just like two adults who just like playing bridge together. So where do you, where do you rank Charlie's mom and Gordon? And what is the best sports movie relationship of all time? I, I mean, I had mentioned the film before I would put Charlie's mom and, um, you know, and, and Gordon, below uh Keanu and Diane from Hardball. Uh I thought that that was a that was a good little little romance flare up there. I got to say 
It's going to sound wild, but I think my favorite sports movie romance of all time has to once again be Keanu as Shane Falco and the head cheerleader in The Replacements. There was there they they had every breath you take in the bar. He's like Shane. He's at the ten. He's at the five. Oh, it's a touchdown! I was like, yo, that's actually kind of cute and hot at the same time. Like that's that was that was that was like a moment that sticks in my brain. Uh, that they really nailed the sports element to uh, the hookup. So it was that, that that's got to be my best one. And you are oh. lodged firmly in my brain because I was watching uh, the TV here in the hotel. Uh, first night I was in Vegas, the replacements came on. So naturally I watched the whole thing. <laughs> and I love that scene in the bar when he kisses her because that is going through my head. And I imagine most, most guys who are sports fans, that's what's going in our head when we go in to make that first move is you have your announcers. And in my case, it is Pat Summerall and John Madden that are commentating on the action. Anytime I'm on a date, I do have yep. announcers in my head the whole time for any future romantic conquests of Mark Ellis, there are announcers in my head and a stadium full of people dude. the entire time we're going out to dinner, just so you know. Dude, sadly, mine are Troy, or Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, and Joe Buck just in my head just is is so frustrating. <laughs> like, it's it's not something that you want, man. No, no. Sometimes, sometimes you got to turn that off a little bit, but, you know, <laughs> sometimes you need it. And to quote a great hockey call of all time, Al Michaels saying, do you believe in miracles? Ellis, gets a second date. So that is going to be all for our movie talk here on the Mighty Ducks franchise. But the last word goes to Winston Marshall. Is there a quote from a Mighty Duck film that you find yourself referring back to again and again? Are you quacking around the house? Uh, I also love I'm not a girl, I'm a duck. I love that they're just, it's just such a movie about unity. What is your Mighty Ducks quote if you have one? Stick, gloves, shirt. I, I like like real talk. I, it's funny. I, I, it sounds like I'm joking and I sort of am, but I'm not because I was that kid that was getting bullied when I was growing up, man. So like the idea that it wasn't necessarily having to get to a fight, but if you could just intimidate or confuse your opponent in that regard. And, and that was the thing. Ken was the smallest one on the team. He was a figure skater and he learned again from the chubs of the film, uh, Russ's older brother to like, how to how to punk somebody if you need to do it i i just thought that that was such a cool moment of you know seeing that of seeing someone who's in their shell defend themselves and he became the littlest bash brother out of it you know so I'm right there with that one. That's got to be it. It's a stick gloves shirt. That's right. And unlike Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire's Bash Brothers, I feel like these Bash Brothers might have passed a steroid test. So let's, uh, <laughs> we, we, we don't have a mailbag today, but Brian, go ahead and hit some outro music for us just to wake everyone up. Always a great time here on Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong. When I'm down to Jacqueline Coley this week, but I got up a Winston Marshall. Winston, it's always good to spend time with you on or off camera, my man. So I know you have some new stuff brewing. And, and this Capes and Cows thing is really fascinating because I am not necessarily the purveyor I used to be of content online. But to watch you and Christian and Coy kind of chew the fat, and let's face it, to watch you and Coy kind of teach Christian about modern comic book canon, it's like you're teaching me as well. Hey, hey Christian and I talk about it all the time. Without folks like you and Coy in the world, we would be lost in the current phases of the MCU and DC see whatever they're calling it now there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of work that goes into it so thank you for being there to teach folks like christian and i what's going on can i ask you a question though you know who meg the stallion is right 
I do know who Meg the Stallion is, and I fully endorse any twerking that happens on She-Hulk. Because you know that your your better half had no idea. He thought that she was a made up character for She Hulk. Oh, I got to talk to Dad. Oh boy, Let me, uh, I, I'm gonna I just, have to. I'm gonna have to give him a call, or maybe he'll prefer a telegram. I'm not sure how to get in touch. Maybe I'll send him a postcard. Um, dearest Christian, <laughs> I've missed you low these many weeks, but I've been following Meg the Stallion's career. Yeah, we'll have to have a chat with him. But that's why you're there. That's why Absolutely. you are there, and Coy is there. For capes and cows so where can everybody find that show absolutely so if you go to the christian harlov channel you'll see uh capes and cows i also do uh you know reviews and uh soon to be doing um some other really cool interview stuff over there as well uh but if you want to follow me man please i'm the swaggy blurred anywhere the swaggy blurreds is sold twitter instagram uh but the two main focus or the three main focuses right now are tiktok twitch and youtube uh over on my uh tiktok you can see uh, short comedy bits as well as some motivational stuff uh, on my YouTube you'll see full comedy sketches uh, some of them dropping uh, very early next month uh, or I don't know what day we recorded this to drop but you don't want to miss that uh, for sure got a lot of really funny stuff uh, on there and then finally over on Twitch uh, you know I will break down uh, the news of the day, whether it be the internet or politics or whatever else, while screaming at somebody, uh, playing either Halo or Skyrim or whatever it is I feel is my inkling at the time. So come and hang out with me, man. I am active seven days a week on one of those platforms. Uh, and the easiest way to find out where, obviously, I will tell you on Twitter. But the swaggy blurred across the board, that's where you can find me. You see that for all you youth hockey players out there, for all you youth dodgeball, kickball players, for all the youths out there. If you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And Winston Marshall working as hard as anyone, but enjoying the process. So thank you for being here today. Um, do you have like a movie or TV recommendation, something you're currently watching that you're like, oh, everybody needs to be checking this out? Um, I mean, a lot of it is going to be stuff that people are already watching. Uh, you know, big fan of House of the Dragon, She-Hulk. Uh, you know, the stuff like that. Um, if you're an adult watching this show, uh, if you uh, are into this sort of thing, there's this great show on Netflix called How to Build a Sex Room. It's kind of great. It's absolutely hilarious and amazing. You should check that out. I feel like y'all would really, really enjoy that. Um, uh, yeah, and P-Valley. Over on Stars, always love giving a shout out to P Valley. It's a great show as well, but also for adults. No, no Mighty Ducks here, please. <laughs> yeah, we, we certainly dropped that kids movie motif pretty quick in this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is uh, the wonderful, the one, the only, the swaggy bird, Winston Marshall. I am merely Mark Ellis for the whole team here at Rotten Tomatoes. Thank you so much for joining us week in and week out. You can email us anytime and Mailbag will be back next week. So hit us up, rtiswrong at rottentomatoes.com with your take on what movies we have to talked about or what we should be talking about we always love suggestions like we got for this show thanks to our fresh member of the ketchup crew robert drost and uh you can also rate review wherever you're enjoying this however you do so whatever that platform encourages you to do with your favorite podcast please do that for us and share it with your friends for lucy for our expert engineer brian perez the whole team here at rotten tomatoes jacqueline coley my beloved co-host and winston marshall our special guest today gordon bombay the bash brothers everybody involved with the mighty ducks who by the way won a championship the year after disney sold him disney sold him and then they won the stanley cup fun fact that's gonna do it for this week i am mark ellis for rotten tomatoes is wrong saying ducks fly together